This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, along with Archbishop Alexander Sample. And today on the program, we are going to focus on the Synod synopsis and give people a really sense of this summer where the progress is of the synod that has been uh, really put forward by Pope Francis. And so, Archbishop, as we begin to unpack this beautiful report, would you please lead us in prayer? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll lead us in the prayer that we used uh, for the synod. Mm-hmm. How would that be? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We stand before you, Holy Spirit, as we gather together in your name. With you alone to guide us, make yourself at home in our hearts. Teach us the way we must go and how we are to pursue it. We are weak and sinful. Do not let us promote disorder. Do not let ignorance lead us down the wrong path, nor partiality influence our actions. Let us find in you our unity so that we may journey together to eternal life and not stray from the way of truth and what is right. All this we ask of you, who are at work in every time and place, in the communion of the Father and the Son, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This has been a process that continues, this uh, synod on synodality, and the three words that came out from Pope Francis, communion, participation, and mission, and you invited us to begin in prayer, having this archdiocesan-wide time of prayer. We wanted to begin these times of discussion with Eucharistic adoration as much as we could mm-hmm. to really invite this to be a time of listening right. to the Holy Spirit. I think that's really, as you've been focused, Archbishop, so much on how is the Holy Spirit working within us as a church here in Western Oregon, uh, this really, I think, it works with the invitation of Pope Francis to come together and to discuss and to be part of a process. So so give us a sense of the synod, um, what you see has been happening thus far here in the Archdiocese. Yes, we. you know, one of the things when the Holy Father announced the synod on synodality, uh, which is a, quite a topic, um, you know, I remind our listeners, because we talked about this before, um, but that, that the synod, this synod was not on a particular topic such as, you know, the priesthood or on religious life or on evangelization or on youth or on the family. This was a synod about the whole concept of synodality. In other words, how to be a synodal church, how to, how to, how to listen to one another and to, more importantly, to listen to the Holy Spirit as to where the Spirit is leading us and guiding us as a church. So I, I, it's important for people to recognize and remember that what the Holy Father was really doing here, I believe, with the Synod was to teach us 
how to listen to the Holy Spirit together as a, as a church that listens, that listens to each other, but also in doing so is really listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit to discern in prayer where the church is being led by the Spirit in our time. And that's why I insisted as much as possible that this synod that we would do here in the Archdiocese of, of Portland would be immersed in prayer. Because as you mentioned, uh, we had that whole period of, we did nothing but pray. Mm-hmm. We just encouraged a period of prayer for the synod process to get all of our people praying for it. But then when we actually got into the discernment sessions in parish level, I insisted as much as possible that they be preceded by an hour of prayer, that we don't just gather together in the hall somewhere and start talking to each other, mm-hmm. but that we, we take time before we talk to each other in prayer. So we bring questions for reflection, scripture, uh, Lexio Divina, uh, before our Lord in prayer. And in that, and so spend an hour of just prayer of asking the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, then go into the, the, the session of discernment and conversation with each other, the listening to each other, if you will, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I, I think it bore great fruit. I think from everything I heard, that, that prayerful preparation for the conversations was, was, was essential. So we had our parish listening sessions, mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, I, I think we had about gosh about 175 individual yeah. sessions throughout the archdiocese, which is tremendous. Had great participation mm-hmm. on the part of the parishes. Uh, then what we did was, after having uh, each parish having their own listening session or sessions, some parish had more than one. Then we met as vicariates. So the regional meetings. So each vicariate met together with representatives from each of the parishes to share, well, what did you hear in your parish? Mm -hmm. What we were trying to do here in that conversation was to identify some common themes that were emerging. So I heard this in my parish. Oh, you heard that in your parish too. Oh, you heard it over there as well. So we could identify some common themes that were really on the minds and hearts uh, of our people. Uh, So the vicariate sessions were held. Then that all fed into a, a, a archdiocesan process. I had an archdiocesan working group that was helping collate and bring together all of the information we were hearing on the parish level, but especially on the vicariate level where common themes were being identified, to put together the, the final central report, uh, which we did. Uh, I released it on August 9th. And anybody uh, out there who would love to look at the report in its entirety, Mm -hmm. uh, just go to the Archdiocesan website. It's right on our homepage. You can scroll down to see the Synod results, and you can read uh, the full report, a 10-page report, uh, yourself. That we then sent on to the region, (laughs) our Episcopal region in the United States, which is Region 12, which includes the states of uh, Alaska, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana— so we prepared a regional report then, based on the arch, each diocesan report, and now that is being, has been sent off to the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, so they will have received 13 reports from the 13 regions of the United States Conference of Bishops, representing all of the states and also the, the eastern churches, and then that report is from the USCCB is what will be sent on to Rome uh, for discussion at, at, at the synod there. 
Right. It is such a process, but I think, Archbishop, one of the nuggets is that we're we're learning about working together in the most local level. And I think the most local level is in the home, right? Within our with our family life. But the the Pope is really inviting us to come together to pray and listen. And so to see some of these fruits coming forward uh, within this timeline, and it's going to continue to grow as as next year comes and we get some of the information. But these questions, and I just want to repeat uh, the first question that everybody was invited to to pray about and to reflect upon, what in the church fills me with life? And you've talked so much about Jesus and our relationship with Jesus is a life-giving, you know, transformative, transformative uh, encounter. And so what gives me life? And that was one of the questions that you wanted us to really reflect upon when we come together in these synodal uh, discussions. Right. And, you know, it, it, it was important that we let people speak about what, what what gives me life, as as we say in the church, what 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 gives me joy, which fills me and and helps me uh, in my spiritual life, in my walk with Christ, uh, because you know my fear was that it, without this being rooted in prayer and without some guidance uh, in, in the questions, that when people get a chance to talk about things that are really important to them, sometimes they'll focus on the the negative. They'll focus on the problems. They'll focus on the, the, the changes they would like to see made. In other words, take a, kind of it from a negative approach, sort of the pessimistic half glass, half empty approach. And I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to make sure people had an opportunity to speak of those things as mm-hmm. well, speak about the wounds, the things that, 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 that sort of challenge them or reveal wounds in the church. I wanted there to be freedom to talk about those things, but I didn't want it to be just about the wounds. I wanted it to be about the joys yeah. and, and the things that give us life in the church so that we could have a balanced presentation of the state of the life of the church here in, in Western Oregon. Right. And as people take a look, and I would encourage people, particularly those of you who took the time and how beautiful it was to take the time to participate, to pray, to listen, to just be quiet during this process, to look at the different results. Some of the comments that were the threads, as you mentioned, these are threads that came from many of our parishes. But let's focus on these life-giving elements as people were reflecting, you know, what about the church have I already experienced? What is been my from if you were a cradle Catholic from baptism growing up in the church but I the number one thing that's listed in in your list is the Eucharist mm-hmm. and the sacraments obviously when we come into the Catholic mm-hmm. Church we're introduced into the sacramental life this has to be key and life-giving as our experience in the faith yeah you know this this was clearly and these themes I I, I should say because I think I think the way uh, Dina Marie and I have, have decided to discuss the report is we're going to talk about, sort of break it into two pieces, do this program and probably our next program. And I want to talk about the uh, first the life-giving elements of the church, those things that that really people identified as what they love about the church, what they love about their parish, what they love about uh, their life here in, in, in the church in Western Oregon. Uh, so what gives them life? Uh, we let people, these and these were identified clearly. Mm-hmm. These were some of these common themes that just kept coming up again and again and again from parish to parish, especially in the vicariate meetings when they would sit down. These were these were the things that everybody agreed upon. And with all this being rooted in prayer, I believe that 
you know, the Holy Spirit has, has shown forth what is important. And as you say, the first thing, and I was so happy, so gratified to see that the first thing that every, it was, it was almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. What people loved most about the church, what gives them life in the church is the Eucharist, is the, the celebration of the sacred liturgy, are the sacraments of the church. This means so much to people. And it, it is, what's encouraging about that is that is what is uniquely Catholic. Mm-hmm. We are a sacramental church. Uh, yes, we have our brothers and sisters in other Christian ecclesial communities, but, but the Catholic church is known for not just the proclamation of the word, which is important, but for the sacramental life. We are a sacramental church. We are a, a church of tangible signs and elements that bring us God's grace and life. And that was so clearly identified as, by our people as being important to them. Uh, and I think, quite honestly, the experience of this pandemic and uh, the, 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 the limited access we had to the sacraments for a, for a period of time really heightened people's awareness of just how much mm-hmm. the sacraments and the Eucharist especially mean to them. So that right. was that was clear. Yeah, and I think how beautiful it is that it's it's leading into this Eucharistic revival, right. which we've been talking about. It continues to grow. That, oh, it makes a natural ground yes. for it to happen. Yeah, we continue to to encounter Jesus in the Eucharist and understand what that means. Yeah, theologically, but personally through community and communities, the next thing Communi- that popped yeah, up. Another you know, thing, another thing, and this does not surprise me at all. In my pastoral visits throughout the archdiocese these last three years plus now, as I've gone on these very organized and intentional pastoral visits to the various regions of our diocese, archdiocese and to the various parishes, schools, other, other entities, this keeps coming across to me very clearly mm-hmm. is that the community of the parish means so much to people. People value uh, uh, that sense of belonging, mm-hmm. that I belong here. This is my home. This is my community. Uh, that's very, very important uh, to people. And so that's something, of course, then we need to continue to foster in our parishes, that sense of belonging community so that people know that they have a home. You know, this is where I belong. Right. Right. And I think in community, it starts when we're little, right? And it starts within the family. If we're coming together, we're learning. We were just going through uh, how we're going to teach our preschoolers at our church, you know, teach them about the sacraments. And it begins in that experience of learning about the Mass and through music and through prayer, uh, catechesis. Yeah, I mean, next, this is another, another, another element <clears throat> that people really appreciate is good, uh, solid teaching. People want to be catechized. They want to be uh, to receive the fullness of, of the faith. They want to know about Jesus. They want to know about the creed. They want to know about Scripture. They want to know about what the church teaches. They want to know the catechism of the church. And there's a great recognition, um, quite honestly. I mean, this is a life-giving element that was identified, but was also identified as an area where we need to do some work. Mm-hmm. In other words, it was sort of like, this is really important for us. And we're not doing enough of this. Mm-hmm. It was kind of the message that, that, that was heard. So we need to really beef up our evangelization catechesis for the people in the pews Yeah, and in our religious ed programs. Right. And at all ages, you know, that's just what I continue to learn is we never... We're never going to stop learning that we continue to grow no matter what age, uh, no matter where we are in our vocation, uh, that the Lord has a message for us. And so the catechesis must go through our whole life. Uh, But 
there's that learning, but then there's the prayer and the spiritual life that people mention too, that through the prayer of the church, through growing spiritually, this provides us yeah, a life. Yeah, you know, people really indicated an appreciation for any opportunities in the parish for growth in the spiritual life. People want to know how to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. They want to know how to pray. Uh, they want devotions. Uh, they they want to know how to deepen their spiritual life, which is, is, is really nothing more than their relationship with God. People want to get closer to God, and they appreciate whenever the church is able to provide for them opportunities for prayer, for formation in prayer, how to mm-hmm. pray, for devotional experiences. Um, yeah, those are very, very important to people. So again, but it was also we need more of these things was right. sort of the message. Right, right. And with prayer, there's also... A prayer and work. I think about the monks, yeah, you know, prayer, labora. work, and prayer. They they go together. That as we pray, then we go and serve Mother Teresa. How what a beautiful example, you know. They prayed first, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Then they served the people. But people in this church want to serve. You know, and this is something I can. And again, this does not surprise me at all, given my nine, nine years, nine years now as Archbishop, how how important service is to yeah. our people. And how people, how much people value how their parish serves, uh, serves not just the members of the community, but especially serving outside the mm-hmm. parish community. So when a parish has programs that that minister to the poor, uh, to the homeless, to the homebound, uh, to to the imprisoned, these kinds of works of they, these are the works of mercy, right? The corporal and the spiritual works of mercy. These are very important to people. And people want to see their parish community being the servant Christ in the world today. So people place a great and high value on whatever is happening in their parish to involve people in Christian service to to uh, our brothers and sisters, especially those most in need. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very gratifying. It doesn't surprise me at all because, I, again, especially in my parish visits, I see how important. And we have some parishes in our archdiocese, praise God, that, that place a great, great emphasis on this. And in fact, it's, it's part of the very culture and sort of the ministry of the parish is to be a parish known particularly for its service. Uh, to the to the poor, I, I just I mean I don't want to single out one example because it then it seems to exclude others. But I mean an obvious example that's kind of right in our face here, at least in Portland, is the down we call the downtown chapel, mm-hmm. Saint Andre Bassett, uh, which is right in the heart of yeah. uh, of a Burnside there, where a lot of the homeless are. It's a parish. Mm-hmm. It is a parish community, but it's a parish community that that has a particular charism right. of service to the homeless, the people living on the streets. And, and so, you know, that's, that, that's very important to people. And so, for example, people who, who are part of the parish community of St. Andre Bisset, the downtown chapel, part of the reason they're there is because of that, that, that element of service. But all of our parishes should yeah. have uh, that element of service. Right. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And, and then looking at the different age groups, we always, I think there's so much of a voice of how are we working with our youth and young adults? And that came up as one of those things that's a life-giving, but also maybe where we could <laughs> we could put more effort or energy into our youth and young adults who are a high priority. Right. You know, this was a, this was a kind of a, a, a two-edged sword, so to speak. There was great enthusiasm and joy mm-hmm. for the youth that we do have. Right. A great love and appreciation for youth and young adults in the church 
And so it's it, when we see that and when we see young people alive and on fire uh, for their faith in Jesus and in the church, it's great source of encouragement. I know I, 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 I feel that way. Anytime I'm interacting with young people, um, you know, I, I can think especially at our, some of our campus ministry parishes, mm-hmm. but us other parishes that we have here in the Archdiocese that seem to have a, a, a certain charism, if you will, again, for, for serving young adults. Boy, it's so encouraging. But the, the, the flip side of that is, is a great concern. We can talk about that in the wounds uh, section uh, maybe next time. But there's also concern that we're, we're losing so many of our young people. And, and uh, so we, we're, we're overjoyed by the presence mm-hmm. of our youth and, and, and the enthusiasm of our youth who are involved in part of the church. It's a great sign of hope. But there's also the flip side of that is, is the concern that we don't have enough of those, right. of those people. Right. And I know in this report, as we're talking about the synod synopsis, and a word that has come up a lot for us in the last year, evangelization, and how to share what we love about our faith with others. And that evangelization and outreach is something that gives us life, but again, is something that can be a challenge of, of how, do we, how do we do this more effectively? Well, you know, the work of the, this is the work of the church. Yeah. Evangelization is the work of the church. This is our primary mission. And what is evangelization? It's just to witness to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And part of my uh, sort of strategy, if you will, or the, the, the overarching theme of all, everything that we do as an archdiocese, why do we exist, is to witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. This is the great commission that Jesus gave us. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, and know that I'm with you. So this is the great commission Jesus gave to the church. That's that's why we exist here, is to witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bring people into that life-giving, transformative, ongoing encounter with Christ, to bring people to salvation. This is our mission. And we sometimes lose sight of that. But there was a great emphasis on this. People recognize this. But there's also recognition that evangelization is not just the work of the priests or the religious mm-hmm. or the deacons or even the quote-unquote professional church people, but it's all of our responsibility. And, and a great emphasis on a lot of evangelization happens one by one. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not about big programs and it's not about social media outreach alone. It's not even about radio programs alone. Mm-hmm. It's Those things are great. They help support the work. But the real work of evangelization and outreach goes on in the individual lives of Catholics who are on fire for their faith, who love Jesus, who love the church, and who want to share the good news uh, with, with others. You know, I, I, I've, I've met so many people like this. I, I, there's a, a young man that I'm, I'm thinking of right now that I've met recently within the last year who's this very new, on-fire, young Catholic man who is always looking for opportunities to, to share the faith with others. And he doesn't do it in a sort of a, what we might say an aggressive way. He does it in a very open, gentle way, but he's always on, on the watch for ways that he can share his newfound faith with others. That's what we need. We need Catholics who are willing one-on-one to, to share their faith mm-hmm. and their love for Jesus and, right. and our faith. And that's right. that's evangelization. Yeah. And what really can feed that or fuel that are things like faith formation. I'm looking at more of the content. We want retreats. We love retreats. When we have a guest speaker, when we have a parish mission, when we have opportunities outside of Holy Mass to go deeper, that takes time. But people love this. And they probably want more for formating their faith. Absolutely, you know the um, 
there's a Latin expression, uh, so I'll throw a little Latin out there for you <laughs> Latin lovers. Nemo dat quod non habet. One cannot give what one does not have. Our mission is to give Jesus to the world. Our witness of Christ to the world is what we're all about. St. John Paul II said this at the beginning of the new millennium. Our task is to let the light of Christ's face shine before the generations of this new millennium. What we, but John Paul said we can't do that if we ourselves had not first contemplated his face. In other words, we need to know Christ. We need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We need to know about Christ. We need to be well-formed in our faith in order to share him, to share our faith with others. So uh, it's, it's like, you know, what Pope Francis speaks about so often is making missionary disciples. We have to be missionaries. We have to share Jesus with others, individually sometimes, one-on-one. But, uh, but, we, but we also have to be disciples first, and so we need to be formed mm-hmm. as disciples. And that happens, again, through catechesis. It happens through homilies, good homilies. It happens through retreats. It happens through parish missions. It happens through speakers that come in and speak in the parish or at their archdiocesan level. Any opportunities to grow in our faith, and our knowledge of the faith especially. Right, right. And I know another thing that people mentioned was just that welcoming hospitality, whether it's the first time you walk in the door um, throughout the week, but how does our church present yeah. herself to one another? This is, a, this, is a, this is an area that we all recognize as an area of real weakness, I think, in, in many of our Catholic parishes. Catholics don't haven't gotten this very well. I mean, some parishes have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know some parishes in our archdiocese that do a tremendous job at this. They really are very good at it. But I think overall, mm-hmm. we're just not used to this kind of thing, uh, of really making sure our parishes are welcoming right. communities, that people walk through the door. I hear these stories of people walk through the door, they come to Mass, and nobody says a word. They're new, obviously, and it's in a, maybe in a small community, and everybody knows they don't. They're not the usuals, one of the usuals, yeah. and nobody reaches out to them. Nobody welcomes them. Nobody says hi. You know, so that's, that's something we have to really work on. Right, right. And I think the last thing that's on this report for the life-giving is this universality and the diversity. And we do have these different cultures, different languages in our local church. You know, this was one of the greatest joys uh, of my, for myself coming here to be the archbishop nine years ago. Because I came from a diocese before that was very homogeneous in its, in its population. The cultural diversity we have here is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a richness uh, all, and I don't want to even start naming the communities, right. but we know we have cultural communities, multiple communities here, some very large, some very small. Right. Uh, I, I would make mention of the Hispanic community. You know, about half of the people going to Mass on Sunday now are Hispanic. Uh, but we have so many other cultural communities, uh, and they're, some are very small, some are quite large. But it's, 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 it's the rich tapestry that makes up our local church, and it's something to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And we have to avoid any sorts of cultural divisions among us, so we have to be still unified as one church, one body in Christ. But in that one body of Christ, there's this incredible rich cultural diversity that just gives richness, beauty, life, uh, really, to, to our local church. And so I just, I just rejoice yeah. in that, as, as obviously our, our people do as well. Absolutely. I mean, Catholic means universal, universal, universality. And so as we look at our faith, it is, this is what brings us together as God's people. So we've covered a little bit of the life-giving elements of the church. Next week, we'll unpack some of the things that need attention, some of the things that people identified that need healing. Right. But again, I just think this is a beautiful process, and I want people to continue to 
pray. How is the Holy Spirit working in Western Oregon? Will I cooperate with the Holy Spirit? And again, with you, Archbishop, as our shepherd to lead us, our priests, our deacons, our religious to help guide us in really following the Holy Spirit. And with that, would you please close us with some of your prayer and your blessing? Yes. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you families and your loved ones and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale, and until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.